You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. Alright, Queerstians, welcome back. What was that? It's the key to the car thing. John waits until this moment to play with his keys. So, this is Evan here. It's just me on this little mini-sode for you guys. I have killed Paul and discarded of his body so that the the podcast is all mine. And um, I'm taking over and making all the necessary changes, making it a lot more queer. But honestly, I have a guest with me, John Nelson. Hello. Hello. So John is an out and proud gay man, and he is also sober. Yep. We actually met in sobriety. Yep. Thanks to sobriety. So (laughs) is this your first time ever on a podcast? I think it is. You think it is? There's a lot of them out there. You might get asked on a lot more now that you've been on one. Kind Hmm. of break the ice out there. We listen to stuff. I work nights, and my buddy brings his Bluetooth, and we play like different like audiobooks okay. and stuff now. We should put on podcast. You should put on podcast. There's a lot of good podcasts out there. You have to be careful. Paul was just telling me about like he tried to find a new history podcast, just you know, to keep it fresh, and um, he downloaded it, and they started referring to uh, slaves as African American immigrants. Mm. Good, right? <laughs> I'm grateful. Like I'm out and proud at work. My coworkers yeah. are good, funny guys. It's yeah. the typical like, the store's closed. There's five of us. The humor is inappropriate. Ah. But when the store opens at six, everyone needs to everyone rain, rain it back down. in. Yeah, rain it back in. Yeah. So, but there's a lot of good there's a lot of good podcasts out there that you can listen to that are like you know anything you want, anything you want, except for I actually have not found. A good sobriety podcast. Although mm. Dax Shepard does a podcast like and he talks a lot. Tapes and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Books. Yeah, I wish there was a good pod. I mean, I'm sure there's something out there. I just haven't found one yet. Um, but like I said, Dax Shepard does talk a lot about sobriety on his sh- podcast. I don't know if you know who Dax Shepard is. Kristen Bell's husband. Exactly. That's how we, like, <laughs> that's how... I know you're an actor in your own right. I've <laughs> seen your movies. But also Kristen, Kristen Bell's, Bell's husband. husband. Yes, that, that's the best way to describe it. <laughs> but. But he does, I mean, he's been sober for like, I think 16 years now. And so, and he talks a lot about sobriety and he talks specifically about his recovery program. He does not give a shit about anonymity. So. Mine doesn't count for much these days. Anyway. No. Everyone knew I was drunk too. So. Yeah. I think it's harder because first of all, the stigma of being an alcoholic or an addict isn't, I mean, it's there, but not in the same way that it used to be. Right. If someone found out you're an alcoholic, that doesn't mean you're automatically going to be fired and, and banned from society and then also with social media it's like we put our whole lives out there but 
That's a whole argument in itself. So, um, all right. So we're talking about staying sober in general, but especially during Pride Month. At least for me, I feel like it's difficult. I don't know how it is for you. You know, I was one of those only gay kid in like an all-white bland town. And when I turned 18 and I finally started like going out into like the gay scene and like doing stuff in the gay community, I lost that uniqueness. And, you know, that just left me like bad eyesight, love handles, and resentful. (laughs) So, like, I went back to where I was, like, people thought it was cool because I was gay and, like, I fit a role Uh, and I could play it. So, like, through my drinking years, I'd end up going to Pride because I was looking for something. Yeah. Like, whether it was, like, actually to, like, hook up with someone or if it was just to, like, fill an emotional hole, I just needed something to do that night, uh, get out of myself. Um, but at the same time, there was all these horrible, and of course, I posted about it on Facebook every year, um, hate-filled homophobic things that, like, yeah. I've gone back and, like, owned, and people were like, this is really messed up. And it was like, you know, I hated myself, and seeing other people loving themselves and being happy and expressing that was painful for me because I couldn't do it, and I grew up in a community where I was completely accepted for who I was. I had like 99% good experiences coming out. And I was the one that couldn't accept that like, I didn't want to be different. I wanted my life to be easier. I thought this was a burden. Why wasn't everyone treating me the way I thought I should be treated? The ego (laughs) was absurd. And you know, like, like I tried to be sober for a couple of prides because I was in relationships and it was very clear that my drinking was an issue already and it was just massively high anxiety and that was before I really got sober and you know I remember calling my sponsor who's also getting in the program my first year and saying like I kind of want to go to pride I have friends going I think it'll be good for me like to get out of myself and experience this and he was like, you know, you don't have to do it if you don't want to. Like yeah. this, you don't have to do anything. Like if you want to and you think you're going to be safe, he's like, I'm going to go later. He's like, I'm working till this time and then I'm going to go with some work friends. I'm going to have some water. And then when I'm tired, I'm going to go home. Yeah. He's like, there's different stuff you can do all day. You don't have to stay and like get crazy drunk and do scene things. There's family stuff. There's festival. He's like, it's a day of love and acceptance and celebration. And that's what we do in AA too. Yeah. I'm really grateful that like I'm out in the program and I've really had no issues with it. I'm sure people have opinions and stuff, but yeah. it's Freedom Hall. It's respected and you know, the last couple of years my boyfriend's birthday falls on Pride weekend and like he's gay, he's out, he's like air quotes gayer than me. <laughs> but um he's also super antisocial. So like we've had so many that like we were stayed in. <laughs> You know, for me, it's a time to reflect on how grateful I am to that. Like, you know, I came out to parents who were accepting. I came out in a high school where, like, I was never judged or bullied. I became more popular after I came out. And, yeah. um, my group, I had a great group of friends that, like, if anyone ever gave me any trouble, they had my back. Not that it ever really happened. And, you know, I had all that in sobriety too, which is pretty great. Like it was, you know, 
I, I feel bad at Pride Month because like, you know, like I didn't do anything to deserve any of this. Like I kind of just like my cards got played right and I got lucky. I grew up in a nice town with like nice. My mom was a human resourcer uh, director at the YMCA. <laughs> like It yeah. was like all all sorts of liberal and. Well, I think that, like, I mean, I, I, I can't understand what that's like, but also, um, I mean, I'm hearing, like, Paul, I mean, if he didn't grow up in Indiana, it would probably be very much like you. Like, he had a very accepting family, you know, um, like, for the most part, other than the area that we were in, it was it was a good feeling, whereas mine was, you know, very different. But, and while, you know, we need to, like, remember the most marginalized groups in our community... There's also nothing wrong with celebrating, you know, the fact that you get to be who you are because regardless of whether your coming out was easy or not, you still couldn't marry who you wanted to until a few years ago. You still aren't allowed to adopt in several states. You still have assholes out there that'll try to kill you just because you're gay. So it's not like it's it's easy being a, a gay white man might be easier than maybe being up than obviously being a black transgender woman, but there's still there's still a lot of, you know, there's still the stigma. There's still a lot. There's still a lot to celebrate and there's still a lot to march for, which I do think that was different because I had on here one of my questions was, did you think your orientation drove your drinking or your excuse for drinking? Because that was my big excuse. I was like, oh, if I wasn't queer, if I, I didn't have these problems, if my family was more accepting, I wouldn't drink as much. But then you have this great supportive family. You said you became more popular and you're gay and you also struggled with addiction. What do you think was like, but behind that I just hated myself the yeah. gay was just part of myself like I accepted that when I was 15 I came out like I mm. I knew I had known for a bit um uh but like I thought I was too effeminate like I thought like I had all these preconceived notions of like what a man should be and like what a gay man should be and I was like well I'm not masculine enough to be like a straight acting gay but I'm not gay enough to be like one of the more femme guys like I like yeah. musical theater but not that much like <laughs> I'm not good at decorating at all yeah. um some people are like oh I can't tell you're gay and other ones are like ah, I knew right off the bat and it was just like not being sure in myself like feeling it was another way for me to feel terminally unique it was another yeah. way for me to separate myself from other people like your family's not like mine or you're not the same orientation as me. We're not the same religion. Um, you don't know my struggles. Yeah. And I mean, it's really not true. I had opportunities everywhere, like to have help with that. And I just didn't want the help yet. I wasn't ready. Yeah. Um, my mom brought me to youth pride meetings in Providence that one of our friends helped and volunteered with. Um, when I was like 15, 16, because I wasn't driving and I only had gay friends on the internet. There was like one other lesbian girl. I went to high school at 700 people. Yeah. And um, I would sit there and they'd be having like group and like talking about problems. And I'm like, my mom's outside like reading a magazine right now. Like she's so like supportive of me. I don't, I don't really have problems. But then they were all in my head. Like yeah. it was part, that's part of my drinking because like, I tell my sister, like, looking back on her childhood, it really, really wasn't that bad. Like, now that I know, like, how other people grew up and stuff. Yeah. But, like, I like to play the victim. Being gay was another thing I could play the victim with. Like, oh, poor me, I'm gay. Everything's so much harder for me than you. And 
I mean, I had it so much better, so much better well, than so many people. In a community where you hear other people, I see. It's interesting because mm-hmm. you feel like you lost some of your uniqueness at Pride, and I wanted to lose my uniqueness. I always hate it people like I talk about my life a lot now but like it was just all these questions and I always felt so different and so awkward and at pride was the first time that I ever felt wow I'm a part of something so I I hated that I joke about that with like other people too like I needed like somewhere along the line whether in childhood or psychologically or just genetically I was predisposed like I found out that attention got me by good yeah. attention bad attention how can i get attention um being terminally unique got me attention i could fill a role i knew what to do to be the gay friend i had um five friends we were super close in high school we had black matching hoodies that said ad sex family and um it was because we had ADD, but we couldn't get to the last D because we were thinking about sex. It was <laughs> sex. And um, we all had nicknames, and mine was just gay, gay kid. And I embraced it, and it was <laughs> like I could fill that role for people. Like, I yeah. didn't know. I felt like everyone else got a life manual, and I was just kind of like floating through and figuring out, like, I can be this or I can be this, like, because I yeah. didn't know. So you feel like it wasn't, you couldn't find yourself because you're just assigned this, like, um, I don't know what the word is, but like this, like you said, to roll, like the, you're the Labels, gay kid. Yeah, like you're the, can, this is your label, and then you just assimilate to that label, and you didn't find yourself. Getting sober, I had to figure out, like, okay, like, who's John? Like, yeah. yes, you're gay. Like, yes, you grew up Episcopal. Don't really do that so much anymore, but great experiences, so I mm-hmm. still promote it. Yeah. Um, like, so sobriety, huge part now. It, yeah. it needed to be because drinking was such a huge part, but like, what kind of son am I? What kind of brother do I want to be? What kind of employee do I want to be? That yeah. like took some bumpy roads to figure out like, yeah. and like, what kind of friend do I want to be? And like, so much of it is just how, how am I treating myself? Am I taking care of myself? I'm like, I have to remember I'm worth taking care of today. It's yeah. still weird talking about that. Like I went back to college in sobriety because I guess I'm intelligent. I'm so down on myself. It still feels weird talking about it. But other people said it to me. My sponsor was very like, you're intelligent. You shouldn't stock shelves the rest of your life, which you do. It's good union work. No complaints. But um, like, and I can go to school and get good grades. And like, I can do these things. Like, if I want something, I can work on it and get better. And if I don't want to, I don't have to. I also like dropped out of school last semester because I really hate chemistry. But like I can take Japanese next semester if I want. Like I'm I'm finally financially independent, which felt nice, but like I just had to learn to budget properly and like (laughs) do things like and stuff. But like sobriety's given me the freedom to like learn how to be a person again, like to live because I was just drinking so much before. Yeah. And living with being gay, like it's I'm free to be me. If I want to wear like weird t-shirts, I'll wear weird t-shirts. If I want to um, get a giant stuffed Snorlax beanbag, I will. Like there's a wall of Funko Pops at my house. It's mm. like nerd central. I don't care. Like it's like acceptance was a big thing uh, we talked about today mm. at a meeting I went to. And uh, like I can accept being gay today. I can accept being sober. Like... And that opens the world up to so many possibilities because I'm not scared anymore. Yeah. I'm not scared of the repercussions of things or 
I'm not playing stuff out in my head. Like, you know, sometimes bad stuff happens and it sucks. Yeah, I deal. But, like, I'm really grateful today that, like, you know, like, I live in a building in Warwick. We have gay neighbors. Like, I can go out and, like, hold hands with my boyfriend when we walk around. Like, sometimes people, like, maybe looks, but, like, nobody's doing anything. Like, it's June, nice (laughs) month, and, you know. So those first six months that you were sober, what did you do? I feel like, I mean, the first year is tough, but those first six months, I feel it's like you're crawling out of your skin. God bless. Uh, I had a couple, like, and I still do have a really couple supportive friends that, like, I've had since, like, high school and stuff that are, like, normal people that are yeah. just, like, we're really, really glad you don't drink. We love you. So, like, <laughs> they would not drink around me and hang out with me. We could go to movies. I got really into an, uh I keep a 55-gallon aquarium, and I was just <laughs> hanging out at Critter Hut in North Kingstown, <laughs> like, okay. every day, like, spending, like, a dollar or two on stuff, and, like, I'll be back tomorrow. Yeah. Um... Lots of hiking, which I know, like, a lot of, like, other, like, I know there's, like, gay groups that, like, go out and, like, go hiking stuff. Yeah. I should join one. I'm always, like, I should join this so group. Social. So, <laughs> I know. I, it's so hard for me. <laughs> the internet's good. There's, like, little secret gay uh, Facebook groups and yeah. stuff for sober people. And, yeah. um, like, it's nice to, like, connect in the community. And, you know, there's meetings specifically for that, too. Yep. I don't yeah, get to those, unfortunately, yeah, in my weird I, schedule. But, but I think a lot of people don't know. I mean, at least in Rhode Island, I, every area is going to be different. But I, mm-hmm. more areas are starting to have, they'll either call them gay meetings or they call them LGBTQ meetings. But, like, if you look up, you know, either whether Smart Recovery or AA, they'll have, like, queer-specific meetings, which can also be helpful for me in the beginning that's what I went to because I felt too uncomfortable to go to a regular meeting. I was I was too afraid of what would happen. I found out nobody really cared. But in the beginning, I was like, well, I have to go to this LGBTQ meeting because if I go anywhere else, who knows what's going to happen. Did you have any like fear when you first started going to meetings that you were going to be like discriminated against or have problems because you're gay? Thankfully, no, because I've always had a bit of a bullheaded attitude about, like, F <laughs> them, you. if yeah. that's, like, that's their problem. <laughs> so like, one, that's gonna, the one thing about being an alcoholic that's... addict, where you just, you already had that fuck you attitude, yeah, so it helps. And my sponsors, like, a former, former drag queen, very flamboyant, large yeah. personality, and, like, nobody ever, like, no. nobody... There is mean, and if it is, it's not tolerated. Like, yeah. acceptance and tolerance and love is a code. People can have opinions, but like, we're free to be ourselves there. And you know, the first six months was scary. Um, I am, I am really grateful I got a gay sponsor because, um, AA does this whole men with men, women with women thing, which, like, I get it. Like, when it was set up, like, it's, to try and set keep up in the focused 1930s. on helping each yeah. other and yeah. not like helping each other <laughs> and, you know, yeah. but like when it comes to like being gay or like other stuff like who do you end up with like I'm not supposed to be sleeping with my sponsor that was the point of me having someone that was the same sex but I'm gay but a woman yeah. can't really entirely understand what it's like to be a gay man so like Thankfully, yeah. there's a bit of an age gap too, and he's very respectful. And it's like yeah. he said it was like attempted parenting at one point. Like he yeah. looks at me like a challenging child. <laughs> <laughs> but like 
that's there too like people will like direct you to other people that can help you like i know people have asked me for help and i was like i i can't help you for yeah whatever reason but i know this person that can that maybe their story is more similar or like they've been through the same things you've been through and they'll know what you can do it's yeah. such a like open hand community yeah my my suggestion to a person in the beginning would especially if you're queer and you don't know where you because it is it is there it's with sponsorship it's very gender role and for me i had the same questions when i went in because i was like okay well like i don't i I hadn't come out as transgender man yet so i was living as a lesbian and i was like okay why am i supposed to have a woman sponsor and early on i met this girl who had been sober for about two years definitely had a crush on her Mm -hmm. and i was like toying with asking her to be my sponsor like we were meeting up for coffee and everything and i was about to ask her and and in my mind i knew don't ask this person to be your sponsor that's not what you want from this person and so i ended up finding this woman who was like in her 60s and looked like my grandmother and i asked her to be my sponsor and that was really good for me because i now i could just focus on my sobriety so that would be a good thing like if you don't know where you feel fall the thing is find someone who challenges you find someone you respect and find someone that you know you're not going to want any other kind of relationship for them that would be my suggestion i don't know if you agree with that or definitely yeah it's not a role that you're ever locked into which is nice that's nice i've been with the same guy (laughs) since day one but like you know he's been very clear i can leave at any time i want yeah Um, yeah we'll still be friends but you know (laughs) yes you can have other you can ask other people for advice it's okay it's (laughs) i had a friend call me and ask they were asking questions about aa and they were like well you know what if they assign me a sponsor that I don't like. <laughs> You're not getting married. Exactly. <laughs> and I was like, so there's a lot of misconceptions. Like, no, you don't, nobody assigns you a sponsor. And once in a while, you'll have some asshole that comes up and is like, I'm going to be your sponsor. You, you know, just listen you to me. say no. Exactly. No That's what people don't realize. Like, no, means no, no means no. Yeah. You don't, you can choose, you choose your sponsor. And at any time it's not working for you, you leave. I had one person who was briefly my sponsor for about three months and it was nothing against this person. They were very good, but they just didn't have what I needed that moment. And I went to someone else. And I felt guilty because I was like, should I just be changing sponsors like this? But I needed something else. And now my sponsor that I've been with, I've been with for uh, two and a half years. So the majority of my sobriety, I've been with this person. So um, didn't you just celebrate four years? Yeah. That's five, right. Uh, one, three. Five, one, three. Nice. It was like eight days after my 26th birthday. It was the last like tires squealing out of that weekend. <laughs> That's that, like, the time yeah, to do this it. This is definitely not working. Oh, I had yeah. known since my 25th birthday that, that yeah. it wasn't working. And yeah. I remember making the mental note. I tried to get sober uh, in June after I turned 25. Mm-hmm. And um, so like five years ago, like right about now. And uh, like I was like, this might take a take a little bit. This might be a little bit bumpy. You're gonna be thirty <laughs> in five years. We should probably start working on this. Yeah. Like it might take a little while. Yeah, it's yeah, it's. Uh, I always say like from within the first couple months that I started drinking, I started trying to stop, and uh, you know that was almost seven years later before I finally stopped. So, it takes a long time. Um, so because people are going to be out in pride, if they're, if you're going to pride, so my first thing would be like, you don't have to go to pride. As you said earlier, John, you don't have to go to pride. If it's not good for your sobriety. I know it sucks sometimes, but 
in the beginning we have to do what's best for us you know there's but if, always next year it'll exactly. be okay people understand we've been doing this for 50 years yeah. i think we're going to do it again next year <laughs> <laughs> um but if you so if you don't if you so if you are going to go to pride what are your tips for if you're around people that are drinking there's alcohol everywhere your friends are drinking what like what have you done in situations like that Bring your own drink. Mm-hmm. Um, do not put it down. Yeah, <laughs> um, watch your drink. Be very clear. Like, I'm always clear if I'm going, I don't go alone. I normally mm-hmm. go with a group of people. Yeah. People that know that I'm sober, that like are aware, like, accidental drinks happen. Um, technically, yeah. they don't count as a relapse as long as you start there. I've heard terrible people get like a gin and tonic instead of just a seltzer by accident. Yeah. And, you know, like, I always sniff my drink before I yeah. always, um, I had someone say they give it to their partner first and they give it a sip. Just my to wife, check. my wife gonna... also checks my <laughs> yep, drink. <laughs> like it's not going to hurt anyone. Like you can. Yep. So like just guard yourself. Like, no, most people don't care anyway. And most yeah. people aren't noticing what you're doing anyway. Exactly. They're focusing on what they're doing. I always bring my own car in case I need to leave or if I am mm-hmm. going with someone someone that understands it says like hey like it's getting a little bit too late I'm too tired I don't feel well you know yeah. I text people in the program I say this is what I'm doing today and where I'm going yeah. you can text me while I'm there like I'll send you pictures like check in on me like stay connected like yeah. I don't want to go out into the wilderness of any event like weddings like all sorts of stuff yeah. like I got to take care of my sobriety. No one else is going to. Yep. It's totally like I ask for help and I get it. But at the end of the day, like I'm the one that's got to say like, Hey, I'm doing this today and I'm a little bit nervous. Like, so yeah, like keep an eye on me. <laughs> exactly. I, this will be my fourth pride. And what I've done every time I've gone to any event, if it's a wedding, if it's like pride, if it's anything where I'm going to be around a lot of alcohol, I always tell my sponsor, and it, I, it has nothing to do with whether or not I'm worried about drinking. I always just say, hey, I'm going to be at Pride. There's going to be a lot of alcohol. We're probably going to go to the block party after. I'm just letting you know what I'm doing today um, in case I need, you know, I, like I think it makes her aware in case I'm going to need to reach out. Yeah. And it's just lets people know because when I find when I'm hiding what I'm doing, that's a big red flag. It, it could be very benign. What I'm doing isn't wrong, but why am I hiding it? When I'm not telling my boyfriend I sneak out to play Pokemon Go, I know that it's bad. <laughs> like it's, I know yeah. there would be judgment. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, I mean, so, so we're going to wrap it up in just a minute. But, you know, so uh, what I want to leave on is, so remember, you know, as John said, check in with someone, talk to people, friends that are sober. If you're not in a program, I'll get to that in a second, but I suggest you get in a program. Um, bring your own drink, bring some candy or mm. something sweet, something gum that you can keep ends. gum. Yeah. Keep something in your mouth, something in your hand. Usually if you have something in your hand, people aren't going to offer you a drink. Mm-hmm. And it's very rare that you're going to find an asshole that's trying to get you to drink once in a great you while. You can say, no, thank you. I'm on medication. Mm-hmm. I'm on medication. You can say, I'm allergic. You can say, I'm not feeling well. I'm the designated driver. Exactly. I'm in training. There's a million reasons that you can say you don't have to tell someone that you're sober. Um, so keeping things on you, keep uh, keep Uber on your phone if you need to get out of a situation. Have a phone friend on speed dial that'll pick you up. Have a way to escape, whether it's your car, whether it's a bus pass. Have a way to escape out of that situation. And then the last thing is, if you're worried, um, like if you're wondering, is my drinking or drugging getting out of hand? What would you suggest, John? <laughs> I mean... 
We have an office called Intergroup that you can call that has information available. You can find that information online. There's actually a lovely website now, ANRI.com, that has a ton of information for people who are just curious, like even information about others. Um, There's an app now. It's just called Meeting Guide. It looks like a folding chair that you can download on your phone that has all this information. It's like if you can just go and check out a meeting. I've had uh, their open meetings. They're open to everyone. I've had yeah. non-alcoholic friends just come because they were curious or yeah. like people just like coming to be supportive. Or mm-hmm. um, I know uh, a lot of nursing students go to some like as part of their program to like yeah. come and like check out like this is a thing that we're going to be working with. Um, people are mostly open and honest. They're there mm-hmm. to help you and give you information. You know, alcohol is everywhere. Alcoholism is everywhere. It affects us. You know, sometimes I think it's kind of beautiful how it affects us so indiscriminately. It's just like everyone can be an alcoholic, like age, race, gender, like it just affects us all, all yeah. spectrums. Yeah. And, you know, if you can get to a meeting, someone will help you. If you just want to find information online, there's a lot of that too. But like, if you're worried about your drinking, you're the only one at the end of the day that can say if you're an alcoholic or not. Exactly. Nobody can decide for you. We even have literature and it says in there like you can self-diagnose but it's up to you we do a 20 questions on the back of our little meeting book and you know i still think some of those are rigged but oh like, i know it, it oh, when i took you, that test the first time I was like, who passes this test but I'm, you know what my wife took that test and uh, she answered like one question on the whole thing and then i was just like you know what Fuck my you. boyfriend can do the same <laughs> but he's also like weird about like oh i just choose not to drink because like i don't really like it and like mm. I used to, and I can, but I choose not to. And I, you're a strange human being. I, I know, don't right? understand how that like it's really just. Samantha will drink. You know, she'll she'll drink, have a couple drinks for like you know a week. She just might so have confusing. a drink every night, and then she'll put it down. She won't drink. Yeah, for a month. I have a best friend yeah. who's very very like health oriented, and he's mm-hmm. also like what I would say is a beer snob. Like winos, he's all like, ooh, this fancy craft beer, like blah blah blah, yeah. and he's like, we'll have two and a water, and that's all I can have for like the next two days because calories. And I was like, <laughs> Why? Like, yeah. how do you just, why? How do you just, just moderate like, like that? I know. <laughs> yeah. My moderation was either I don't do it or I do it all yeah. the way, 100%. Um, I will say, so yeah, if you look online, if you're not in Rhode Island, wherever you're at, there's going to be AA online. There's also Smart Recovery, which is a smaller program, doesn't have as many meetings out there, but they have a lot of online meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that one of the the problem not the problems but one of the assumptions about aa is you know you you have to believe in a god there's you know they're going to force gender roles on you and i can't promise that there's no assholes wherever you go but i'm going to say that there are a lot of meetings that are going to respect you for the individual you are so if you're non-binary if you're transgender you know gay straight whatever there's going to be people that accept you and there's going to be a lot of like we said there's a lot of queer oriented meetings now where you can find some help and most importantly, you have to get better. So, I mean, sometimes I've sat in a meeting and I've gritted my teeth at things that people have said. But uh, as a whole, the program has helped me, you know. And I'm I'm a, a proud out transgender atheist, and I've managed to make this program work for me. So I just I just think it can work for anyone. I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> I do like. You'll hear people say it and they'll laugh, but we're people who would not normally mix, and yeah. you find ways to things like. I know an old, oh, he would be so mad if I said old, but Irish, like, construction worker, like, he's like, I don't have, like, a good high school education, like, like yeah. tough guy. And he's like, we have tons in common because we can talk about our feelings and emotions. And he was like, 
I would have never like met or hung out with you or bumped into you in the real world that like never would have happened but like you meet like such like a wide variety of people and you find out we all do have stuff in common yeah exactly we do and if you are open to help there are people that will help you that's the one thing um these are people that want to help because they've been in your situation they really do want to help you and you might have some hurdles to jump through but it's better than living in that hell of addiction so reach out you can reach out to the podcast you guys know how to get a hold of us on facebook twitter um email yourqueerstory at gmail.com you can always reach out we can direct you um or you know look in your area for some of the programs there's some other programs but smart recovery and AA are the two biggest ones where you're probably going to find resources nearby find something that works for you don't keep staying in that addiction and do you have anything you want to say at the end john happy pride and love yourself we can't love ourselves until Go ahead, say the RuPaul thing. You can't love yourself. Go ahead, say it. How the hell are you gonna love anybody else? I mean, like it's it's so true. It's uh, it it hits you. It's it's so true. true. It's true. All right, so I'm a Ru. All right. Well, thank you for coming on, John. And guys, uh, like I said, this is a mini soap, so we'll be back with our regular episode. on Wednesdays like we do every week so stay queer don't get a little bottomy we love you you little sodomites and bye thanks for listening remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at your queer story like what you heard want to share your story send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the anchor app or at anchor.fm slash your queer story and if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.